welcome back to another installment of the Dogs Football Podcast, a 2023 season preview edition here on this Tuesday, August 15th. Like we said, we would be, this will be our last podcast until we come to you guys for the Austin P preview at the start of September. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, I mean, we're already, I think the last episode we had, it was probably one or two training camps in. Now we're about 12 or 13. Tons of content, like we've been preaching with Luke Martin. Tons to go off of videos and stuff. Uh, you know, perfect information leading up to this season. And we have a lot of topics for everybody. Uh, <clears throat> just to give our opinions on what we could see this year, what we'd like to see different. The typical stuff we see in a season preview. What's going on? Yeah, it's it's been looks like it's been a good good training camp so far. A lot of things happening. A lot of guys getting some work in, um, getting to see some new faces, getting in there and getting some work. And uh, haven't been able to make it out this year, but uh, with work and stuff, so um, things are going smoothly. Luckily, with uh, our, our new guy Luke Martin, he's he's helping us helping us out a lot and giving us some content. And him and Mike Trude's been doing updates like every Friday doing little short little videos and talking about how things are going. So we appreciate that. We're getting to see some things. Yeah. And we talked about what Mike Reese would have done was just, you know, typical radio interviews or, uh, you know, posting them on like through the, the links to SIU Salukis, but this one, it's just different how it's been so far. So we definitely love it. So before we get into that preview though, we have a, some topics to get into before that all happens. Uh, like we said, and then we'll have a, uh, We'll do stuff like, because we know the two deep depth chart's not out yet, we'll dive into what our final predictions for our two deep will be, and then we'll have our schedule predictions, what, what we think our record could be before we iron it out for you guys. So let's start out with recent news. This is important news, very important, that we found out on Twitter via the player himself. As we know, uh, Noah Finsky, Colorado transfer, is going to be a big uh you know, part of this season for us, as we know, he's been here since the spring, all that jazz. And everybody knows what the kind of uh, the transfer rules are. Some don't. So, you know, some things have been up in the air since, uh, you know, it's been official with some things. But we, we know it's most of the rules of coaches firing or, you know, and you're leaving and what you're able to, uh, what the NCAA will let you do. But no, there's another Noah that has been dealing with this. And we found it on Twitter. Noah Finsky is dealing with some NCAA issues. That is ridiculous. That almost gives him the chance to not play this season. He tweeted about it. You can display or talk about what tweet he had. And you, we have a lot of background on this as to why this could be happening and why the NCAA probably is screwing Noah Finsky out of being here. this. Yeah. Noah tweeted out last week. um, Best decision of my life was coming to SIU. I've never been, Supported physically, mentally, and spiritually like the staff has supported me. No matter the decision by the NCAA, I am beyond grateful for Coach Clark Nick at Nick Hill and my brothers that I've made here. Um, so I right then and there when I seen it, I called you and we talked about it. And it looks in like, looking like maybe what's happened all across the country that the NCAA is not letting guys play right away after transferring. But um, obviously Noah started at Iowa, then went to Colorado. Um, and now with his coach getting fired, he decided to transfer after Deion Sanders basically replaced that whole program. So, um, it's just unfortunate with the NCAA and it just shows you 
each and every day how corrupt this NCAA is and the stuff they do. I mean, it's happening to the Florida State D tackle. It's happening to Pez Walker, who's supposed to be the number one wide receiver for North Carolina, who he went to he went to North Carolina Central his freshman year, and that was the COVID season. They didn't play a game that year. Their season got canceled. He goes to Toledo for a year, does really well, and now he wants to move back home to North Carolina so he could be a tear caker for his grandmother so she can watch him play. And his waiver got declined by the NCAA, and it's just we've seen it recently all, all across the country. I mean, we just the local Luke Ford from Carterville went down to Georgia, and he wanted to move closer to home for his, uh, his grandparents as well and so they could see him play. And unfortunately – he got denied as well, so he had to wait a year. So it's just unfortunate that stuff's like this happening. But spe- especially with um, moving down a level and your coach getting fired, I think Noah should. Noah and Tez Walker and a lot of guys have a big argument of why they should be able to play right away. Yeah, and we tweeted at Noah, telling him that you know it doesn't make sense. We're behind him every step of the way. He retweeted it. He's been retweeting everybody that's kind of saying that. And clearly he knows – this could happen when he comes here, but you said it right there and what I was going to say. If you're going from FBS to FCS, there's some. we thought there was some kind of rule that lets you do that no matter what. But And we did have to double-check that, yeah, he started at Iowa for sure, and then he's been at a couple places and what they would allow. But we said in the tweet, too, you know, it stinks that this would happen if they allow people to come here in the spring. I mean, Noah's been here since the beginning almost. Since spring, was it the spring game and everything throughout – and he's been running with the ones from what we've been hearing, and that's what we've been expecting, and that's what's been happening. But and we talked about like when this could officially, you know, you know, be known. And we talked about probably within a week of the season starting, and Noah's still going to be in practices. That's what he is still doing. Uh, and I think Coach Hill like liked his tweet, so they all obviously know about like you know how it's all happening across the country. So. Um, and we actually, we want more info on it and we want Nick Hill to speak on it, but we were able to get uh, in touch with Luke Martin about it because we know he talks to Nick, you know, every chance he gets and stuff. And we're telling him that, ask if he could get any recent news on his eligibility. Send this all up in the air. Next chance he gets to talk to Coach Hill. And he said, yeah, he's, Luke, Luke told us that he is running with the ones, getting a ton of reps. They're still in waiting, holding pattern for the news. He hasn't, uh, you know, Nick hasn't given Luke a timeline, but he, He'll try. At this point, it was this was on Sunday, so just a couple days ago. So yesterday, he he was maybe going to get in touch with Nick to try to get some concrete answer. He said he was very hush hush, but with Noah going public, that basically opens the door for for me to ask Coach Hill on the record. I will keep you posted. So um, that's it's definitely true. Once it gets brought to light, then it can be discussed. If it's not, then it can't. So we don't we know all that kind of uh, jazz that can happen, but. Hopefully they get an answer because that would be something because if he's running with the ones we, we talked on our depth chart and we will again, he's projected to be one of our top tackles. So um, hopefully, you know, he can he's, he will still run with the ones. Hopefully he can get an answer by within the week and know if he's going to play because imagine if he doesn't get to play this season. He's been doing all this for nothing. At least give him half a season. But, um, you know, and you mentioned some of the stories with family members and stuff. The, the fact that they don't give you know, those players have benefited the doubt to go back. And especially if they can confirm that they're not lying just to get eligibility, like it's just ridiculous. And, you know, everyone has a problem with the NCAA and it's only a matter of time before a lot of things are separate from that because it prevents a lot of people from doing any of this. So 
definitely notable what we wanted to kick this off with because Noah will be a huge part of this of the season if he's able to play. So it's a waiting game, and by the Austin pre preview, we will have hopefully updates on if Noah can play or not. So um, like I said, that's that's a wait and see, and everyone across a lot of people across the country are waiting for those kinds of answers or not. So definitely a big deal. Definitely wanted to kick it off with that of main headlines kind of things. Uh, we did notice how FanFest is back per usual. Um, the August 24th, uh, it is on a Thursday from 6.30 to 7.30. If people want to go out to that, they have the usual stuff they do. Maybe you can meet players. Not everybody's even out there. We went two years ago. It's really not as good as like basketball's open house. So they did iron that date out on the 9th. So the 24th, 6.30 to 7.30 FanFest for people if they want to go out to that. Now, no, before we just move on here, let's talk about the commits a little bit. We've added a couple more guys since we last talked to the 2024 class. We'll dive into those. And then we have one of our commits. We'll dive in a little bit of his situation, what's going on with him, potential of losing him. We'll dive into that next. But Noah, we just had one, I think it was yesterday or a couple of days ago. We've had a couple, I think, since then. Let's dive into those. Yeah, we've had uh, some commits here. and They're rolling in. Each and every week, it feels like more and more. Um, but since we have had two since we last talked, uh, the first one was back on August 5th. Um, E.T. Harris, a 6'2 dual threat quarterback, runs a 4-4-1, 40-yard dash. Um, with already two QBs in the class. It's crazy they looked to add one, but I think this is a kid. I watch his tape, and it's just as a as a dual threat guy, he is more polished than – what we saw out of Brian Brown when he watching his senior year unfold. And I think this is a guy where we, we wanted Brian to come here as a quarterback, but they moved into wide receiver. I think this is a kid that stays at quarterback watching his film. So this is a big time get out of Kentucky country day high school down in Louisville. Um, I'm sure he knows Lucas Lucas retweeted or reposted his uh, commitment tweet. Then the next one um, was, the end of last or two days ago, I think um, it's another offensive lineman. We add more line um, Quentin Oak, uh, two-star offensive lineman at a FJ Wright's high school over in Evansville. Um, wasn't able to find where we originally offered this guy, um, but at his size, six, five, two seventy. Um, watching a little bit of his tape. It's not as, it's not as crisp. And some of the other offensive linemen we've got this class or, We've seen in the past with a Jimmy Lansing or a Ryan Chanley, but um, this is a good, at his size, good good guy we can get him here and build around, potentially find a role three or four years down the line for him if he if he develops like he should. But, I mean, getting those two guys, getting the Evansville guy, um, we already know Lynn Dower and uh, Branson Combs are both from over in Evansville. We're just keeping that pipeline, always looking over there. And um, obviously the Louisville connection had started here. Not sure which coach has that Louisville connection. We know Dowman last year was in the Alabamas and the Georgias, but now it's looking like Louisville. So um, pretty good start. I mean, we're continuing to roll in this 2024 class. Yeah, and even because you were telling me how you saw some things maybe on Insider that like we're kind of downplaying the like Quentin move because whether they look on his Twitter, two-star, stuff like that. But then it's like, well, you – you always have to get depth. You, you want to always get the best players you can, and that's why you bring them in to develop them. Maybe they can, but you can't always hit home runs. You get guys that can fill in as depth pieces, be four-year guys, and 
you know, feeling because injuries happen on the line all the time. This could be one of those guys. You never know. So anyone that's downplaying, it doesn't realize that sometimes that does happen. That, that goes in a little bit of recruiting. Um, so welcome, Quentin. And then you mentioned E.T. Exactly. It's one of those guys that are athletic, that they maybe could give the switch. Potentially, it's like, um, you know, athletes like this compared to like other styled quarterbacks that, so you know, can make the jump. But I agree. I watched his tape, too. He makes every throw. He's fast. Exactly. Something like Brian Brown, how we were thinking, could have if he kept here and translated. That's a guy that we just haven't heard anything about since he's been here and won't probably this season. So I definitely think Harris will come in here and continue to be the QB now that we get three more. And after, obviously, Nick Baker will be the only one that's gone after this year. That's all depending how everything irons out that um, he could have a role on this team uh, in, in the future. I, I hope he does stay a quarterback as well. So you're right. Two Two new one, and I like his. I mean, six two. That's that's good size for that as well. So, um, two new additions to this class that we. What is it about? Over a little over ten now, close to that at least. So uh, definitely ramping up, and it'll be that way through the season. We mentioned the offers and stuff, or the uh, visits and and stuff that these players will go to, and some things like that. So that'll be more ironed out in the next two weeks leading up to the season. We'll see more of that. Haven't seen any of that yet, but no, we. I mentioned you mentioned a little bit of Lucas McDaniel's. Um, and how he he likes that he retweeted E.T. Harris's commitment all that stuff he we, he seems bought in but it's it's the typical things you continue to see with some players that are even still committed and but still continue to get offers and visits from all these other different schools and know it's I guess it happens all the time but this is a guy we like a lot we know we committed on July 26th um, but he's also been having invites to like Marshall and some stuff. I mean, we, we see this happen a lot, but no, there's some, I mean, these are FBS teams. So we're thinking could be safe with keeping Lucas, but you never know. He could always flip. We had that last year and this would won't, this is, this would be one we'd hate to lose. Yeah. Lucas is a talent where, I mean, he's getting uh, a letters from SIU and coach, coach Hill and stuff. And Antonio James saying, we're excited to make you a Saluki. Have a great senior year. We'll be watching and stuff like that. Then um, two days later, he gets a, East Tennessee State University offer. That's his fifth offer. Um, according to Nate Bryan, his first offer was Marshall. Then he got a Liberty, Eastern Kentucky. Then SIU was four. All of a sudden, after that SIU offer, he commits shortly after. Um, but now his brother getting Marshall looks, and his brother's a 2025 kid. And now Lucas is getting all this stuff um, from Marshall. Now he's going to invite probably both the brothers, both him and his brother will go on a recruiting visit. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that hopefully, I mean, when he tweeted, he says he's a hundred percent committed, which that's obviously everybody says that when they commit something like that, but at six, five, two he's an athlete that plays outside linebacker and tight ends, just a guy that we hope he's not the guy that ends up flipping, but we've had it in the past couple couple classes whether it was Connor Lair switching or flipping to the hometown Missouri State or last year it was Tyce Cotry flipping to the home state Troy so I mean going to Marshall you can't you can't downplay flipping a team like that but um, Coach James sent him a letter also four days later or four days ago so like we're getting we're I mean they're going to stay on it him and it looks like Coach James are the recruiters so hopefully hopefully early signing Peter period can get here and we can get him signed on the dotted line exactly because we do not want to lose him you're right it's everything's verbal until he actually does sign it 
just funny looking at some of the because yeah the coaches send him letters with like three paragraphs and then you see Marshall giving him like full on they just like put his name on there it's actually in print though and it's like four different paragraphs themselves so it's like however he would deem like but he's already committed to us he knows the love that we've shown for him and you're right with his brother I mean if they I'm sure they would love to play together again and go into FBS I'm sure that would be an option so um hopefully we don't lose him and he's still got us pinned to his profile and stuff yeah so we we just wanted to because we keep seeing it and it's strange um so it's it's definitely worth mentioning I think we'll keep an eye out for Lucas as this goes on and then I don't think we've seen any other, like, like we said, there's really no other interest visits or offers from other classes that we've been seeing just yet. That'll be closer and closer to time in terms of other recruiting. Now let's segue to FCS and like Missouri Valley Conference news. Some things here, Sam Herter uh, back. It's, it's been a while, but it shows here for the payouts that FCS teams will be getting to go to FBS teams. I don't believe we talked about this. Maybe we did somewhere in the summer, but it was reiterated on my, reposted on my, uh, on my timeline. And we're getting $375,000 for, for the NIU game, which is, you know, good money, you know, compared to some of these others you see around here and who's willing to pay what. So we'll, we'll talk more about NIU clearly as, as it gets closer to time. You see like Tennessee state at Notre Dame for 1 million Youngstown's going to Ohio state for 800,000. So we know we've gotten decent uh, paychecks from uh, schools like that over the years, and 375 is a good number. We'll talk about it again later on. Noah, recently the AFCA released their top 25. We had a film of working to be on here, uh, and we weren't, but we received votes, apparently, us and a couple other schools. You can dive into – because we'll, we'll get into our, our conference, you know, final standings predictions or some top teams and maybe who all, all – who could actually be our All-Americans after the season's up. And then no others. Big news around one of the top teams as quarterbacks could be returning next year. Your thoughts on all that? Yeah, just looking at the the preseason top 25, I mean, obviously you got the two Dakota, South Dakota State, the defending champs um, at one, North Dakota State two. Um, just going through guys that we potentially would see. SEMO's at 11. So hopefully by the thir- week three of the season, they're crawled into the top 10 and maybe us in the top 25. So we have a showdown down there. Um, just some North Dakota at 18, UNI's at 20. So um, like we talked, like you mentioned, I mean, we received votes. Illinois State received votes. We don't get to see them for a couple of years, sadly. Youngstown's receiving votes. So got some teams in there that in the conference receiving votes. And we, we got some good teams in the top 20 as well. So. Just seeing that, then um, just looking at some other things. Uh, you mentioned Cam or a quarterback that's returning for next year already. Cam Miller announced he'll be back for 2024 season for North Dakota State. Um, that's interesting to see that he's going to use his eligibility like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that if they haven't or still is ha- having a quarterback that can come in here and steal a job from him because um, I wouldn't have him in the top four. Valley quarterbacks, in my opinion, I'm not sure that I'm surprised someone hasn't came in there and stole the job already. I mean, he's lost it. He's got it back. I mean, it's up and down for him as the season goes on. So we'll see what he does this season. Yeah, he's 20 and five as a starter, but, you know, no all conference awards that they're saying one title ring and stuff, as we know. And he kind of just, you know, he's he's not really a bridge. He just kind of does his job. And we talked about last season and we'll face him again this year at their place, which Oof, but um, 
we know he he didn't like to throw the ball. So, you know, they they uh, surprised at the start of the game with the deep ball and everything. We know he's a runner. Uh, so hopefully he improves on that. And, and declaring you're already coming back the next year is interesting. Obviously, he talks to the team and they everyone's talking about they have a young guy in the wings and stuff. So definitely notable, though, because as long as I mean, whoever's the quarterback for them, they'll be competitive. So that's just notable to think about. And then, yeah, for the, you know, in terms of how, you know, our conference could iron out, we know the two states are going to be at the top. And we predict both of us to, or us to lose to both those teams this year. We'll talk about that at the end. But um, in North Dakota, just because we, we know some of their players, I don't know how they're going to end up, you know, unless they added somebody crazy. We know they lost their running back from years ago. And how, unless they added crazy transfers, they're picked crazy. As long as I think they'll, uh, you and I will finish ahead of North Dakota, I think, in the conference, just because of Theo Day mainly. I definitely think Youngstown, I don't know. I'd like to think that us and Youngstown could be right there with North Dakota and finish. And I, we talked about it on the last one. Hopefully we can finish top four, at least in our conference, all depending. So um, it seems like I don't think anyone below, like you say, Illinois State's the last one that could fit in this top six or seven, but um, I, I, I think we could finish probably top three or four. No, you think and anybody you, it would have to be for North Dakota state that can surpass them. Anybody you think of North Dakota, you and I, us or Youngstown could surpass North Dakota state in any, any way. I don't know who they're playing at the FBS level this year, but any chance of that? Yeah, I think, uh, I think if there's a team that, other outside of North Dakota State to dethrone him. I think it's got to be you uh, and I with a quarterback like Theo Days. Obviously, I think he's the best quarterback in the FCS and the best quarterback prospect in the FCS level, um, potentially get drafted. Um, but, yeah, I think if that's the team that's going to do it, I think it's going to be them. Um, I think I would take them and Youngstown over North Dakota, even though North Dakota has been one of those teams that's – one of the, I think, the three teams that's been consecutive playoffs here in Alaska. Yeah, they're consistent. Um, they play that different style defense up there. But um, I would put Northern Iowa at three. Um, then right below them, I would take, obviously, I would take Youngstown and us over North Dakota. So I'd put us at four, then Youngstown, then North Dakota, then obviously the bottom. Um, at seven, I would probably put Illinois State, then eight, Missouri State, seven or nine would be South Dakota, then the bottom three are just awful football teams. I'd probably put at Indiana State, 10, then I put Western, 11. I think Murray State's the worst team, in the, but I know in preseason that West or Murray got more votes than Western, but I think Murray's the worst team in the conference. Yeah, Western will be more competitive in their games than Murray will. We'll go over again and just at some point. I want to see what Murray's schedule is in the conference this year. Uh, but, yeah, it, it stinks that we don't play North Dakota or Northern Iowa this year to show that we could be ahead of them potentially. Um, but we might have lucked out in that sense. Who knows? But, yeah, and then All-Americans for us. I think everybody that we've seen on things like will be like Nick, I think will have the stats to prove it. Hopefully Deontay leads this. Chase Evans leads a consistent line, we hope. Uh, and PJ and Branson do their thing on defense. I don't think anyone else could emerge, do you think, on our team to be all Americans in the conference? Uh, we'll talk about it more, but even like Zach Barola couldn't get, he could, if he plays enough to stay healthy, could get enough tackles to warrant anything. But like we said, the Buck Buchanan, um, South Dakota State's linebacker is up for awards. So that position itself, but no, I don't think anyone else of those five that were picked preseason could really be all Americans, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
quarterback for Nick Baker, it's tough. When you have Gronowski and Theo Day ahead of you, it's going to be tough to make that next jump to even make a first or second team. Um, but he has the the weapons to do it potentially this year. And, yeah, you mentioned Adam Box, South Dakota State linebacker. He's going to be um, probably the defensive player of the year in the conference. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think potentially depending on how some offensive linemen or a defensive lineman like Cam Bowdry plays this year, they could make an honorable mention at the end of the year. But definitely be tough. I hope one of the maybe special teams, maybe um, Jake Bumgarden, just have a really – or whoever wins the kicking battle can make – just have a really good year. But there's some – obviously South Dakota State – produces a lot of good kickers, so they're usually up there on the all-conference teams. Yeah, and even if it gets – because there's no third team, like we said, like we could get some honorable mention guys. But I think the the five we have – I like the Cam Bowdy play. That's definitely one that could potentially be there. Um, and then real fast here, just because – I mean, football is not really related to this. They didn't really mention it when they posted the link to it. Um, but – uh, the Sluk Athletics has raised $3 million in fundraising. It's the first time since 2011. So that's obviously a huge amount for us, first time in 12 years to do this. So um, they're talking about uh, it was up 5.2% over the fiscal year last year and 189 from 2021. So obviously we talked about athletics is doing a great job. The alumni are doing great and everything that's based into everything that goes with fundraising has done great. I mean, again, a lot of dark years from 2011 up until a certain point. So money-wise, it's good to see us get back to, um, you know, like money-wise to help all these programs succeed to the highest level. So we'll really talk more about that on basketball, but it's worth talking about this because they can help that towards football. Noah, quickly in some, well, I noticed just some former Salukis. We'll get to another guy, but uh, we know Jeremy Chen's working his way back from injury because I looked earlier. He did play in their preseason game against the Jets the other day when they didn't score. Jeremy only had one tackle, though. Worth mentioning, I looked at everybody else. Ryan Neal, Normai Cole. Got anything on the stat sheet in that game? But no, you told me about Bryce Notre the other day that he's bounced around. He's still playing, but he's in a league and he's doing pretty well. Yeah, he's up in the CFL. He's playing for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, they're 5-3 and three on the year. He's having a decent year playing a little bit of special teams against some defensive snaps. Um, right now he has 18 tackles on or 18 tackles on the year. Um, he has three special teams tackle and also has a, a, a sack. So um, their last game was on the 11th of August, and he had uh, five tackles on defense and two special teams tackles. So um, that's the Bryce we know making tackles, flying all over the place. So Hopefully, at some point, he has a good enough career in the CFL. He can make that jump to the NFL. I know, and we know he got workouts and stuff for NFL teams, and he's he's doing exactly what we thought he would. He would just keep finding his way. Some people are retired, but Bryce definitely sticks to it, works hard, and he's a spe- he could be a special team ace at those kinds of levels, and he's doing he's doing great things. So shout out to Bryce. Can't believe it'll already be the second season without those guys, Bryce included. So that's kind of crazy how long it's been now. Uh, now, before the season preview, just I guess it, uh, this kind of ties in. We were talking about what we do and don't like about uh, you know our uh, jersey combinations, which ones we do like. And I, mean, I think it's easy to, to pinpoint the all-whites at the top. Hopefully, we see that a lot more this year. We've seen it mainly on road games. Um, but I think any kind of combination besides, because we know we've changed jerseys and stuff, that with the kind of maroon color that we see our helmets, doesn't really fit well with the maroon jerseys, and we know the first game against Austin P is a maroon out, so we're going to see all that, unfortunately. But 
Um, no, I think the all white. And I've said the black, um, the black pants with jerseys, but I think those went more with our old jerseys because there's really no hint of black on these. Uh, it's really just white and maroon on both sets. So maybe not as much as the black, but maybe I don't think we've seen white jerseys and maroon pants before. Um, I'm really okay with any of them besides all maroon just because they don't match really. No. What are your favorite combinations we do with jerseys? I'd say all white for me and then maroon jersey, white pants, and white helmet. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely – I would agree. The all whites, I mean, it's they're, they're the nicest ones we have. I mean, if you look – and obviously the, the black pants, I agree. I mean, the old jerseys had a little that little bit of black you can mix in, but obviously with the uh, the cancer game jerseys going all black would be – we always – think usually do that so that'd be that's something we use those for still but obviously i i would even i mean try to go back into the day maybe um i know we used to have black helmets and stuff like that maybe we need to we need to try something else and maybe it takes uh i don't know what it's going to take to get new jerseys or try a different color scheme on we don't have to be like um oregon and have a different jersey basically every game but maybe try something else down the road I think black is our, like our third alternate color at the school. So you're right. Back in the day, they used to have way better jersey combinations, even though the stuff now is a lot nicer. But we know Saluki Equipment does a great job. They post a lot on Twitter. Um, and we mentioned other jerseys, what the decals could be this year. We'll wait and see. So, again, the first game might not be our best combination we see out there, but it's quite all right. So now let's get into this, this 2023 season preview. Before we dive into like some things we'd like to see change, and, uh, you know, even some X factors on both sides where our biggest weaknesses are, maybe some bold predictions. We'll talk a little about the first and second year guys, and then we'll iron out some of the things we said earlier. Let's talk first about uh, what stood out to this point of these 11 or so games or practices since we last talked to you guys. What stood out? There's been a lot of player interviews, some mic'd ups. Notice PJ was mic'd up not too long ago, and he's as vocal and as we expect him to be in the leadership role, you, you notice things like him giving, um, you know, advice to guys like Charles Young, uh, lifting his spirits on a play, just talking to him, giving some insight. Uh, it's funny because we'll talk about PJ again and what role we'd like to see him in that he was joking with Terry Hawthorne, corners coach, about him playing corner, getting reps at corner, and he was kind of joking about it. So we're thinking – Probably won't see much of that, unfortunately, because if he, I, that, those are just the little things you pick up uh, of these small things from here. And then some other player interviews. I think the most notable one, they've talked to us, like Iverson Brown got to talk a little bit. That was at the start of training camp. And you see some other players. But no, Justin Strong talked just the other day or yesterday when they were talking to the, to the running backs. He said, when they were talking about the offensive line, he said they've been working really hard and creating holes like never before. And he said he's excited to find those holes. So that gives us confidence with the offensive line going into this season if it's coming from a running back. And then, you know, some things there that we wouldn't be surprised of, um, some things to uh, your opinion on what you think as well. Uh, Mike Trude in the interviews with him and Luke said that Aiden Quinn has been getting the most uh, first-team tight end reps this far, or so far, which we're not really 100% surprised at at all. Um, and then he mentioned Caleb Wagner might not redshirt this year. We know because he mentioned the four games a lot. Um, clearly, he's going to see the field. So that means he's going to dress. He's going to be an option to dress. We talked about what Caleb's role could be in those four games, could be just in potential blowouts. They just uh, Larry Warner was just talking about him in the previous video of how well he's doing. Um, tidbits from that, just because Ryan Shanley posted us in a video of defensive linemen 
uh, you notice all the guys, and you know, I just noticed Devin Love wasn't wearing his jersey. He was just wearing like a black sweatshirt. He was wearing the shorts as everybody else. We know Devin will be a a uh, a depth piece this year on the defensive line. Wonder if he's dealing with something. That's just a little things you pick up. Whether he's practicing, no, we noticed Isaiah Hartrip still wearing a big brace at times on his leg. I'm not sure what to think about that. We see him with the orange jersey sometimes, and then. You know, something you picked up that we definitely have noticed. Haven't seen much of Jake Green. Maybe a picture or two, not a whole lot, whether he's hurt or not with the first team. We know his history of how much he's played. Uh, Noah, those are t- things to me that have stuck out. What are your opinion? If, is anything else that stuck out to you so far? Yeah, I, I would definitely say to add on to that stuff, uh, Jake Green, I mean, that's a game, guy that started all 11 games last year. I mean, Five of them, or yeah, five of them were at left guard, and six were at left tackle. Um, but we know Noah Finsky's been getting the majority. If you watch the videos, the the scrimmage last Saturday, I believe it was Finsky at left tackle. So uh, maybe maybe Jake Green has been moved inside. That'd be a heck of a left front. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see. Then I'd say my favorite. Inter, or yeah, my favorite interview so far. I love the love listening to Dune Smith and had him talking about Antonio James, just kind of letting this team play, this defense play a little freer, let him fly around and play a little bit and play by the concepts that Antonio wants. So that's definitely the interview I enjoyed the most. And just yeah, the four games are as a as a freshman. If you if you have a chance to play the four games, you will. We saw Schwindeman towards the end of the year get in. I mean, those are big four games potentially for some guys that um, whether potentially the Murray State or the home game at the end of the year against Indiana State. There's a couple other than special teams. If we can find ways to get guys snaps, that's going to be valuable and see if um, they can potentially. I mean, we saw it with uh, Sean Lester last year. The first game he got to try to play, we had some guys banged up, and right away then you said, all right, this guy's playing more than four games. He's going to not redshirt. So, Definitely the four games since the – that's the one thing the NCAA has done right. I wish they – obviously football and the roster sizes are different, but I wish that we could maybe see that somehow in basketball because there's a lot of uh, – like like last year with the Cade Hornecker situation in basketball. So definitely one of the things the NCAA has done right and love the other stuff we've seen throughout camp. You're right because there's so many players that are needed in a, on a football field that – uh, injuries so much that you need guys that can fill in and not lose eligibility. You're right in basketball. You play one second of a game, you enter the game, and your red shirt's gone. So definitely that is the one thing good that football does. And you mentioned some of those bad teams that we could see, like Caleb Wagner play, and that's definitely true. I, it just It's funny because we view it as maybe a trap game at that point. Hopefully our season's going the right way by the time we play those bad teams, and you definitely could pit, fit in guys like Caleb. Uh, in those and then yeah it's weird again Isaiah we see him we see him busting routes and catching balls and then next time he's wearing an orange jersey might be old footage I don't think so it's like every now and then you see on some of these pictures he's wearing like a big old brace and stuff so we know he's healthy for the most part just I guess if he's feeling anything that he kind of takes a little bit more easier Um, and we've seen the defense been great you mentioned Dune Smith he's been flying around Uh, it's a great sign Sneak peek a little bit, something with him potentially on this, but uh, um, he said he's you know he's glad to be healthy. Kind of the, the Iverson Brown thing about ACLs and knees and stuff. He's been going through four surgeries in his career, so he's healthy. And defense has been looking pretty good as far as we've seen of busting through the offensive line, which I guess 
in turn, it could be a good or a bad thing on whichever way you view it, but defense looks like they're definitely flying towards the ball, linebackers especially. So then that's the stuff that stood out to us over these first about almost two weeks of camp um, that I think is worth noting. And then, no, no, let's dive into to topics about what this team needs to improve on from last season because going into this year, you know, we're relatively healthy. Besides David Miller, maybe a couple people who are, who are beaten up and we'll see – at the Austin P game of who's actually healthy and who's not. For the most part, we, we pretty much are. And that was kind of the, you know, last year we had some guys who were beaten up going into the season, but it's good to know. I like the RJs and Zay Hammonds. Like, I don't think there's anybody of that uh, this year, as far as we know right now. So that's a good sign. But obviously just finishing close games. Luke Martin had a tweet just, you know, about a week or so ago that out of the 11 games last season, we had a fourth quarter lead in 10 of them. And we ended up going five and five in those games. And then our last four losses of the season were were all one possession games. And obviously, as we know, that kind of segues into the next thing of like crucial play calling. We know there were some games we thought we had in the bag last year. Defense would wear down, allow a huge like run along the sideline. I think in the South Dakota game, they allowed one of their running backs to who was actually in the portal and we were in on. But he, you know, he broke into the red zone. And next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal for the win. But it's stuff like that. It's the it's the bad play calling. It's obviously the bad punts, which we'll get to in a second. It's just, um, you know, going three and out when your defense gets you gets off the field and you need to sustain drives to give them a breather. That was one of the things last year. Our defense got, like, no breaks at all because our, our offense would go three and out, and that was even with the talent that we had. So it makes us think hopefully this year can be different. Uh, but, Noah, again, if we're seven and three in those games of ten or six and four, even if it's one game, we could have made the playoffs. That just shows you how much, uh, you know, difference a game if we were able to close it out. Cause I had things on here. No, of the play calling of don't get too cute and use our gadget guys correctly. Like the new guys we have of Jalen Benefield and Vincent Davis, because, um, you know, last year, what was it? What was it a home game? Might've been two seasons ago. It had to have been last year. Whenever they had a play, they ran for Bo Brannion or one of our tackles that they tried to throw to when we were in the red zone and stuff like that. No, we, they have, have to clean up. Manage the clock better, all that stuff, finish close games better, you think? Absolutely. I mean, that's the North Dakota State game you're thinking of. It was it was on the goal line, fourth and goal, right before half, and we could add some momentum. And he runs a, a stinking throw to the tackle as an extra offensive lineman. It's just he's got to be more consistent on play calling. And, yeah, we hopefully our offensive line is a little bit better and we can sustain those drives you talked about. I mean, the term – Luke Martin and Mike True keep using as the stable of running backs we have. If you can, if they're opening up those holes like Justin Strong's talking about, these guys can be used well. I mean, that's with the stable we can continue to keep a fresh back going and wear out defenses. I mean, our defense does. I mean, with the offense we have, I mean, the guys want to come here and play in. It's just sucks being a, a defensive guy on this team because this is a team that. All right, we can if Coach Hill and the the line and stuff can't be consistent, that um, we can go three and out real quick. But if one of our athletes makes a play that could break off a eighty yard touchdown in two plays, and you're right back out there, so it's those things that we got to be more consistent. I mean, you don't you don't you want to get across midfield almost every drive, but yeah, the biggest thing for me is special teams has to be more consistent. Whoever wins that kicking battle. And Nathan Torney's got to be so much better in that field. And um, Ross Pedro, if he wins the long snap battle, he's got to be really good and on point 
with Torney and with Nick Baker as a holder, and we just got to be more cleaner on special teams this year. No doubt, and um, it's it's the fact that, as you mentioned, like scoring too quick, like that's into the timing of what plays you use. If you need to drain some clock, yes, run the ball, and granted, that's what the defense knows you're going to do. So that's why it just it's just the cat and mouse game of football. If you and that's what that's on McBaker too. If you see a defense in a certain way, then you audible. You do and you change it up. I mean, that's kind of just we didn't see any of that. So it's mainly because the clock can or can't be on your side at times, and that's the whole thing with which plays you use. And we, we before we jumped into this, I said you know the defense has been in the backfield. They they had a play similar to like he just throws an easy easy out or something to Jalen Benefield and he's already in the backfield and then we lost five yards. Like we can see more of that and that drains clock and that uses timeouts and into the play calling we South Dakota game and so many others down the stretch was use your timeouts correctly or use them at all. And just all that stuff that you think hopefully that, you know, obviously coach Hill knew and he, he took, he took the blame after some of those games of things he could have done better. And we were tweeting about crazy stuff about using time. It's just everything that hopefully he's learned end of the season of just managing a game better for the most part and making sure you finish these games, even the Youngstown game that if we won still wouldn't have gotten the playoffs and you had a late lead in that one and you blow it because you're, you're easily going three and out and then your defense just suffers. So it, it's stuff like that that clearly needs to change. Those are some of the most important things in football. And you, and you had a 10 fourth quarter leads in 10 of your 11 games, you could have been one of the top teams in the country consistently. So it all started after that incarnate word game, as you said, yeah, special teams for sure. And even with how wet that game could have been, you definitely need to prepare yourself as an athlete of those rainy situations and know what it takes to be better. And that, that game kind of put us on the rough track in special teams. We know Nathan's net punts were terrible last year. There were games where either I wasn't there yet and you were, and you were saying, you were texting me how they were, I don't even know. It was like a negative net punt or something, or didn't even go anywhere. It was just a botch. Um, that clearly has to get better. For a punter, you know, you're in certain situations to practice. For the most part, you just kick, and you hope that you get put in those game situations and you think it and have it mentally that you can just kick it way further than you did. So we're not having to – that's something we, won't, we don't want to have to deal with this year of down and distance and you're fourth and eight – if you're over fourth and five and you're not comfortable, you have to be able to trust your punter. If you go for that consistently, whether they're practicing it now or not, you don't want to have to deal with all that stuff of uh, not trusting your punter and having to go for it all the time. And that was mismanaged at the end of last season as well. We noticed how, because no, you're, you're picking it apart last year with Jake Bumgard. He was better at a certain hash and sometimes they get him to the wrong hash. And that's why he missed it against Northern Iowa. And, you know, those are important little things that you would think the team knows if we can figure it out ourselves, obviously like no out of bounds kickoffs to give us already in trouble with some penalties. And then I just have on here project, you know, best coverage players. And we won't know that until we watch the first game. But we, we know some players that we could see, see some freshmen potentially, but um, it's stuff like that. And just being good at special teams, continuing what Dalman had last year, hopefully Gary does a great job with that. Special teams is arguably a top two important part of the game. So put the field, all that jazz, Obviously, we got to you know minimize giveaways and maximize takeaways. We we did not force any turnovers and uh, takeaways last year on defense. Hardly any. I wonder we probably had five total interceptions last year, if that. And then Nick kind of had interception problems. We didn't really fumble as much as the team, but obviously those are the easy things to pinpoint. 
Um, you know, obviously throughout a season of things that need to go well for you. Um, now, Noah, there's – I just had it on here because we talked a little about who could replace – just because we were talking about, like, oh, what, what's Javon doing right now? Is he with the team? Is he even playing anymore? Because obviously, you know, it's tough for someone like him to find a job. And because his volume was so crazy throughout his career and his production that obviously the plays that would have went to him now have to be used somewhere else this year. Um, we mentioned Hunter Simmons, Noah, like because we relied on Javon and all that volume of what, how that can be used. And, um, you know, you know, football well, like what kind of, what kind of play specifically can be used, whether that's Nick Baker can run. Do we have anything for him? Do we just, I don't know, use the holes for, for Sean Lester and how, you know, some football specific plays that, cause we're not, we won't be doing wildcat anymore. So what kind of plays do you think we could do to replace the, 15 plays a game that are used for Javon, Javon's Wildcat that we could use this year to actually help the offense. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see what they'll do, whether, I mean, we we use a lot of draw plays some, in situations for Nick Baker. Um, so we're lining up everybody five wide and going empty sets and using a quarterback draw. It'll be interesting to see what happens because um, if, if, if it was a short yarded situation, it was, it was going – most of the time it was a read option with Javon Williams and he was going to keep it no matter what. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you can use maybe potentially Hunter Simmons in that kind of role if you want to bring him in in just different situations and see if you can get one over on the defense, whether he can fake a, a QB power and drop back and find somebody open um, in a Javon Williams situation. But you could also see it um, whether – maybe using him and just coming in and running the ball like uh, North Dakota does with uh, their backup quarterback. He can just a bigger size quarterback other than Tommy Schuster. Um, you bring in their backup and he runs the ball some, but just to keep the defense honest and stuff like that, obviously you're going to see gadget plays with other people with the sweeps with um, Deontay and Vincent and Jalen Benfield and Jalen Reed, all those guys are going to be involved, but yeah, definitely keep in mind of, potentially using Hunter Simmons in that kind of situation potentially, but um, definitely replacing the load of Javon will be interesting to see what they do, see what they have up the sleeves, maybe um, the stable of running backs we have and um, figure something out. Exactly. And just the fact that, you know, Javon, just because he did that so much and he kept it, like you said, he didn't, you know, give it off to the to the actual running back and actually have it for for positive yardage. He would he would be too patient and try to find the hole, and he's not as fast as he used to be. So that would lead us to down and distance plays after that, and he never would throw it, even though he's a great thrower. Just none of that happened, and that's why we lost a lot of games was because of Javon. And Javon's an all time great for us, but as his career went on, it ruined a lot of stuff for us, honestly. And we could just been a lot more better off in something. That's why it's interesting this year how they use that kind of volume because Hunter definitely could throw it or run it. Cause I said, Javon was too patient. He had to run over guys like North Dakota's backup quarterback. He just ran over guys and he was fast enough younger than Javon. We could have saw him do a lot more things in that regard. But I think that's important because again, so many plays were to Javon and how they're going to use that. We'll see how that, how that transpires this year. Um, I mean, no one, like reiterating what our biggest weaknesses could be this year. And, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff also in the training camps of DJ Johnson being everywhere. He's, 
you know, he's, he is making plays. He's being like really confident to where you say, okay, there's our cornerback one, honestly. We just know how much he struggled last year. Maybe it just takes another year in the system, but we know that defensive system has changed recently that you'd think he'd be fine, but then I just get to thinking, you know, if he's over-aggressive, it could burn us. And, no, I think cornerback is easily – I say easily because we're trying to think of other ones. Corner might be our biggest weakness on the team just like it was last year, even if you're counting on the non-David Millers to fill in. Of biggest weaknesses, know your opinion. If you agree with corner – and then some other position we've, we've kind of talked about, but to reiterate it again, most confident in position groups are our deepest groups. Like, no doubt count on these guys and kind of not counting on these guys. Yeah, definitely think corner is up there. I mean, if I were to choose another one, I would say punter. But not not to harp on Nathan Torney too much, only as a, a true sophomore coming from Australia. I mean, it's a guy that he's got to be so much better if we're going to flip the field, I think. Um, at some point last year, as bad as he was, you should have gave a uh, Chase Reeves an opportunity, somebody to surely to be able to punt the ball more than 25 yards like he was. So I would say corners right there. Obviously, you got some young guys that inexperienced there, but the older guys, if they can't get it done, um, you're going to have to either see. We talked about moving P.J. Jules, but that doesn't. We've seen him. When he was mic'd up, he said, let me get some cornerback reps like he was joking. So it doesn't, doesn't seem like he's moving over this this season. So it's going to be, have to be those those transfers that we've gotten and those younger guys, see if they can step up. But I'd definitely say punter. Then deepest, obviously, I'd say defensively, I would say linebacker. We have so many guys out there we can throw out there and rely on um, at that linebacker spot. I mean, it's going to be crazy tackling machines, be able to rotate them with Branson and and Bohannick and Barola and Dune Smith and the younger guys and Ben Bogle and the Oregon State, Jake Perella, haven't seen much out of him, but hopefully he comes in as well and we can just rotate there. And then on the other side, I mean, there's a lot of positions that are deep, um, but I really like our offensive line depth. I think we have 10, 11 guys that we can just rotate in, keep everybody fresh and just be able to mow teams down and wear them out defensively. Yeah, and we'll get to that of uh, obviously when we get to the two deep of guys behind them because that is about ten guys, and we'll try to narrow those down. Definitely offensive line because we think yeah, if they have those kinds of subs, someone gets hurt, we're confident in who's behind them. Uh, linebacker, no doubt about it. And we talked about edge rusher have some good depth there, um, and even because we haven't seen any of like Drake Johnson at all. Like we've seen him in pictures, not really making plays, and that's not the end all be all of seeing good and bad things happen, but you see more of Jameer Khan in pictures and videos than you do Drake Johnson. So that's not great, but you know, we know Mark Webb who had snaps last year could be an option. So that they are there, but definitely corners biggest weakness. We talked about, um, you know, just the uh, experience at tight end and all that stuff, but we know all the other positions, linebacker receiver and edge rusher and the defensive defensive line uh, could be a little deeper, but we have options. We'll dive into those again at the end, but. Those are pretty much it. Definitely keep an eye for corner this year. That's why we talked about it's important for, for coverage because we're going to face a lot of good throwing teams this year. So um, now we have X factors on both sides of the ball. We could name a lot. Um, you know, if it's just like one apiece for each of us, there are some names on here. We have some good ones, I like to think. Some guys we've talked decently about over the course of time. I'll start out with my offensive X factors, and it's all about thinking of which guys clearly can be in certain sets on the field. 
um, and which, you know, just who could be obviously the most important guy. It's not the, you know, the main kind of guys. I did have Zach Gibson on here just because we've seen so much of him on videos, pictures. He's active. Nick Hill has talked about him already, him and like Jay Jones. But we know Zach's got a lot of talent. He did have big catches last year just because he's the big guy and him and Jay are the big guys. If it's not going to be tight ends that fully provide the size at certain moments, it's got to be the big receivers. And if you could throw it up to Zach Gibson, hopefully he can. He's a, he's a basketball player as well. So we know he's got the tools. If we can throw him in in certain sets and rely on him to go get a ball, hopefully that's the case. You know, your offensive and then – or if you have a couple, obviously, and then your defenses and I'll end with Mike. Yeah, definitely think offensive. There's definitely some guys that have been talked about a little bit and just can be a really good X factor. But um, I think we've seen a lot of it and just the short clips and stuff we've been able to, been able to take from. But I think Ryan Schwinneman, a red zone target at his size, that tight end, being able to back up Aiden Quinn and different sets and stuff, I think definitely think Ryan Schwinneman um, potentially can be that guy. Then defensively, I'm going with Dune Smith. I I love seeing him. He's been making plays, flying around, just playing freely like he t- talked about in his interview. I mean, uh, if this guy can stay healthy, I think – I mean, I'll just go ahead and say my bold prediction. I think Dune Smith leads his team of tackles. Yeah, and definitely if we're – you know, with how the roles are of who, you know, plays a lot with snaps and you think Dune just because he is on pace to just be all over the ball if that's the case when he gets in there. We know all the other guys ahead of him will be tackling machines as well. I like that. Um, yeah, I had – well, just because we, we tweeted about him the other day, Lewis Wilbur, because you could use him as edge or stand-up linebacker. And he's young, and he's already had nice production. You'd think in year three of his second true full year that he can be big in which, whichever way they use him. We mentioned Micah Parsons' style. And then I had Dante Cleveland on here as well just because – it's his time to finally play a decent amount, we like to think. He's the leader. He's counted on this year. You know, whether it's him or Cam that gets to the quarterback, unless they're just both run stuffers, that Dante's got to be huge in both regards this year. And his final year, being the old man that he is, uh, that we need him to step up and be that because he's got guys like Jalen Banks behind him who are young, going to his first official year. And you have some other guys that you maybe could count on, but you need to count on these veterans. I had Dante in there as well. I didn't really think of a bold prediction. In terms of, I mean, I think just because I've seen him and honestly, I like what we've seen and some, he's burning a lot of guys on defense. I want to say Vincent Davis could be a, a Valley. He's not going to be a first or second team member. He could be, I think he could be the sixth potential honorable mention of guys, because I think if he, if he's able to do these gadget plays and take things to the house and he gets 30 to 50 yards at some points in a lot of games, he can accumulate 500 or more yards this year. And we saw Deontay had 490 and was a, you know, all American honorable mention last year and preseason this year. I think Vincent can do a lot of that stuff. If they use him on offense, the way we'd like him to, I think Vincent could be an honorable mention Valley player this year. That's just thinking of one off the, off the rip because he's, he's making plays in training camp. So those are those uh, Noah. Um, let's talk about freshmen who could dress this year and who could obviously Others won't. They'll be standing in street-ish clothes on the sideline. We've seen that for years, but we know obviously some some freshmen dress, and this could be the class that we – it could get up to six people. We'll dive into who most likely we could see. Um, um, it's just – it's crazy because um, we talked about 2016 class, and in terms of classes, 
behind uh, Nick Kittle and what he since he's been here. History class. This could be the best one since 2016, even though this one probably won't have an NFL talent like Jeremy Chin and have other guys. Like, I mean, some guys could easily get to the XFL and stuff, Xavion and all that stuff did. Uh, but no, this class will be a special one. We've talked about a lot of them, but most likely who can dress and see those four games this year. Who do you think? Yeah, definitely think um, if we're just obviously Caleb, Caleb Wagner's got to be the most talked about freshman so far. Um, but if I were to if choose a couple more, obviously we've talked about one potentially our biggest weakness in corner. I think Jameer Khan, if he's if he's dressing and if he gets thrown out there, I'd like to see what he could do. But just a couple others. I think Miles Wash, I'm really high on him as a linebacker. Um, I think he could be very valuable on special teams. And there's some other defensive linemen um, that you can mention. I'm sure you'll mention. Um, but yeah, if I were to just say three, it'd be obviously Caleb, Jameer, and Miles Wash definitely. Those three guys could be very valuable as freshmen in their, if they play four games. Yes, and I want to say just because we've seen them and that it kind of because they don't look like freshmen. The Jamon, we've seen a lot of Jamon Mathis on workouts and pictures. That obviously they're just going to let the freshmen play, and it's just certain points, and it's not saying he's against first team rep guys to even warrant PT. He's tackling like uh, Jalen, um, oh boy, or fifth string running back. Um, you know, so that's the kind of sets that he's working with right now. But Carmelo Smith, just because he's 311 pounds, and just a lot of these guys, I don't think like you know Amir Dwight. Even we've seen a lot of these guys. Elijah Gunn's massive. Like there are a decent list of these guys. We mentioned Middleton and special teams. Like you know, in terms of ranking them, not exactly sure. But we know this class is special, and all those guys right there could definitely on special teams. You can't see the defensive linemen on special teams, but you could see them filling potentially because we wouldn't be surprised if we say, oh, who's number this? We look it up again real fast to double check, and it's so-and-so. And we're like, oh, yeah, crazy. And we mentioned some of the bad games against teams we'll play this year. You could see it a lot more of the freshman men. Um, but definitely Miles Wash special teams. You mentioned Jameer just because he was highly heralded when we got him. And I, like I said, yeah, they've been showing a lot of them. Could see him, Caleb. It could get up to five or six guys, and we're thinking at least – and we'll count, obviously, in the first game of who we maybe see. Um, we'll try to sit behind the bench and point out who it is. I think it get up to it can get up to five or six. So, um, true freshman-wise, it could be a special year for some people who fill in if they need to. And then, Noah, top three to five redshirt freshmen, we talked about a lot of them so far. There definitely are at least three real notable ones that could play pivotal factors this year just in week – or just in season two of – Guys who can make the biggest impact. No, there's there's three that come to mind. Who are they? And then there's some other ones we think could, barring you know if injury happens, they could fill in. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, the first one I named him as my X factor, Ryan Schwindeman. Um, being that that red zone target's definitely gonna be huge. Obviously, Jalen Banks is the the three three star defensive tackle we got out of the uh, Lutheran North High School. I really think he's making that big stride. I mean, a defensive lineman at six four two ninety six is gonna be really really valuable for this team. And then obviously you scroll up and you see guys like Ben Bogle on, on special teams and guys like that, but just some other guys potentially could make that next jump. Obviously we've named, you named it as your biggest weakness for this team. Charles Young at corner potentially. Um, you guys have other guys that could potentially make some plays and like a uh, Ryan Chanley making the jump to defensive tackle. Maybe he gets in there a little bit more as a run stuffer at his size. So a lot of guys that can make a jump. Obviously, we got some young receivers that are redshirt freshmen, like a Brian Brown or a uh, Stanley Bryant or a Dev Walton that 
probably won't see the field unless it's a special teams, something like that. But there's some linemen too, but we're so deep there, it's hard to see some of these guys be able to make that jump. Yeah, like the Dev Waltons, the Desmond Hearns, guys who won't fill in on probably defense. Even though we saw uh, Hearns sometime last year, um, it's those guys that will be special teamers. And you, I definitely can count those guys. I'm most likely to play. If they're pivotal special team guys, that obviously counts. That's an important part of the game, as we've said. So definitely Schwindemann, Banks, and Bogle. We definitely agree with that. Even Bogle in the deep linebacking core. could see him a lot. We've been seeing him in pictures. He looks great. Jalen Banks will be a second team or a defensive lineman, I like to think. And Schwindemann could very well be the starting tight end. So those are three guys we can trust this year. Yeah, we talked about Jimmy Lansing. If a lot of tackles got hurt, we could see him. It's pretty deep at that scope as well. And then it's Buddy Ryan and everyone you've said for sure. And we could be surprised by some others we haven't even named yet. We'll, we'll wait after the first game and see what we see to see who that could be. So those are the first and second year guys that we like to have you guys be on notice of ones that could potentially see time this year. We could be surprised with some others we haven't named. That's a wait and see. Now, no, segue into veterans in the scope of transfer classes, because we'll get into with the two deep after this. Pivotal pieces, and we know over the last two years since the portal has been great, um, you know, you have a list of them, and there it's a decent list of guys that impacted transfers, even if they're one year, some two year, of the classes of 21 and 22 that truly made impacts, and hopefully this one could be up there with those. You know, hopefully it would have to be. There's a lot in this one that we'll be counting on, but no, over the last two years, you know, if not, not that we're going to rank them, but 2021, 2022, transfer classes this one's got a lot to live up to because there's been some guys that have helped us tremendously over the last two years yeah definitely I think I mean this class depending where obviously a long season ahead but yeah that 21 2021 class just guys that some are some are still here and some have moved on so far but that guys like James Caesar just coming back then you get the Zach Barola then the Dante Cleveland the role he's had then you just get to Richie Haggerty, the the little time he was here and the impact he made. And Cam Bowdry, Tyce Daniel, that class is pretty darn good. Then you go to 2022 where it was the Bryce Millers, the Jacob Coffles. I mean, Caleb Washington and Quentin Lee, two defensive guys that fell fell in their roles. Then you get the Dune Smiths and the Chris Harris's and the George Douglas's and the Nick Okiki who was so big for that defense. Um Pretty pretty crazy the classes we had and just looking at this one where they could fall in I mean what offensively what Benefield Vincent Davis and the the linemen we have and Noah Finsky can can or Aiden Logan can do then defensively with Varga Bohanic Perella Ubad C Drake Drake Johnson I mean there's a lot of guys that can come in here and potentially play a role in this team and be key factors that can. I mean, last year's class, last year's class is really good, and the year before, so definitely going to be interesting to compare it down the road to see what those guys did. Yeah, and there'll be some misses, of course. We know we had high ups for Antonio Fletcher last year, and he's finding his way around the uh, USFL and stuff like that now. But he kind of underwhelmed at times, whether it was injury or just getting taken off the field for certain reasons. He did make some plays, but like guys like that. But you mentioned, and some we've talked about with OKK and George Douglas and Chris Harris were great. Bryce Miller, and then the year before that, like the Colby Coleman Abrams, Kevin Galatians were fantastic in their time, and those are just the one years. And then, yeah, you mentioned the Cams, Dante's, guys that have had eligibility that have still been here, and now we're key parts because those two are now our starting defensive linemen, we like to think. So 
it's all about getting the guys with eligibility. And we got a lot of that this year with some guys and some one years like the Devin Cowens and Tim Vargas of the world that could be pivotal parts. And it seemed like we're relying and it's hard to say now, but that we're relying on more of guys this year of transfers than we had the last two. It's about equal what we can see so far. Like I said, it's, it's too early to tell yet, but that'll be something fun. We will dive into, like I said, there will be some misses on some guys. We'll see who those are because it does happen every single season. There's been ones that we've said that have committed, but never even transpired to come in here or they got hurt and never played like the two from last year. So that's definitely an interesting one. We'll keep an eye out for how the season goes with all the new guys. Now know the two deep, and we just narrowed it down to what we could see could be the starters and the one guy behind them off of what we'll see here in the coming weeks that the team will post. We're always on watch for it. Didn't want to mention before this because the it's ever so changing, the roster. We have noticed three freshmen, safety Dallas Brown, linebacker Colby Ryan, and second-year freshman running back Mark Melton. Some guys we've noticed. Can't foresee any of those guys playing or – you never know. Some guys, if injuries happen, they play in some of the four games. These like Dallas Brown, Colby Ryan could be special teamers if they needed them to. Something we didn't mention with special teams is that hopefully we don't count on as many really important players to be on that, that you get some of these good role players to do it. Um, you never know with some of these guys. So we did notice those three. And we'll have some things at the end of, well, whenever we get to the player, maybe we'll talk about some parents we've talked to recently, but no, we already did it last week, and we'll try to go a little bit quicker on this. And I'll, you just run through them, and I'll just say I definitely agree of who starters and just the one person behind them could be this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the two deep, it's going to be a lot quicker than last year's last week, last episode's full breakdown. But obviously quarterback, you're going to start Nick Baker, and I'm going to use the good old college coaches or here. I think your backup is Hunter Simmons or Michael Lindauer, obviously – both guys are getting a lot of reps in that in that second or third string role. So obviously, then at running back, I think you'll see Justin Strong as that first guy named, and I think you could see another or there too. But I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a say Jalen Benefield second right now. I mean, kind of it's kind of you see Ro Elliott a little bit, but it's been a lot of the Justin Strong's Benefields and other guys getting snaps. I feel like um, then at that tight end, obviously Aiden Quinn. Then it's going to be Ryan and Ryan Schwindeman, pretty easy at tight end. I think there's some decent depth pieces behind him. And that left tackle, it's going to be Noah Finsky or I'd say Jake Green at this point. If it's Finsky gets the waiver, he'll be right there, I think. Then at left guard, I think it'll be potentially Marcelo Mendiola or I think Derek Harden potentially Jake Green's there too if Finsky gets the waiver and at center Jacob Koffel then backing him up will be John Nally right guard I think it's Chase Evans Aiden Logan pretty clearly then at right tackle Abdu Torre will be that starter and I think Jackson Saley's could potentially back him up um, like I said earlier there's 10-11 guys I think could be in a pretty good rotation like the Jimmy Lansings and the guys we haven't mentioned in potentially some redshirt freshmen finding their way in there as well. So then that receiver, I mean, obviously the three starters you're probably going to look at are Vincent Davis, Isaiah Hartrip, and Deontay Cox. Then behind Isaiah, I had Zach Gibson. Behind Deontay, I had Jay Jones. Then behind Vincent um, at that slot wide receiver, I did have a Cal Wideman. So I think offensively it's pretty – it's starting to – look pretty clear who is where and what stuff but 
it's so hard, especially a position like running back where we have a stable of five or six guys. Exactly. And just because I mentioned earlier about him talking and talking about his, you know, him coming off injury that wouldn't surprise me if we saw just, I mean, either of them, you're right. Cause we've seen a lot of benefit, We've but we've seen all of them. Exactly. So that one's really hard. And these are kind of, we're doing this because these are our final predictions and see how right we are whenever the actual 2D comes out, kind of like how we did last year. We'll see how correct we were on a lot of these. So it is hard to tell. It's either Jalen or Justin. I don't know if Rose going to be, you know, he's been RB1 before. And this is with us assuming Sean Lester's RB1, which very well couldn't be. You know, you just never know. But you mentioned the last one, and it's true. Justin and Rowe have been way too hurt. Jalen's too new. Nick Hill loves Sean Lester. He's got to be RB1. Definitely it's Nick and Hunter. I do like your or because Hunter will be the gadget quarterback you can throw. But then Lindauer will come in and be the pure thrower that we would like to see. So I do like the or on that. It is rare. Could see it because I agree. Either which one. Whoever's going to be the play caller. It's not going to be redshirt freshman Trey Baker. So someone's got to do it uh, besides that. And you're right because it's the XYZs of receivers. And even it's Cal because he's had more college experience than Dayton Mitchell, even though Dayton Mitchell has had reps. I guess just at the start of last year. Out of Dayton and Cal, you can really flip a coin. Everyone else after that you can't foresee. Definitely Aiden and Ryan at tight end. And then even like you're right, if Fenske can't go, it'll be interesting. And we'll see if he's on the 2D. That'll be a good indication if he's on there. But we know we, we updated it every single week. The 2D changes literally every single week of who's where, who, who's at what position. So just in terms of the first one, definitely agree that it should be the Aiden Logans, the Derek Hardens behind the Marcellos and Chases. Sam Newman, because we've said he's been hurt, he was good coming from JUCO. It's really tough to narrow down, but I like those first four we've said. Um, and then you're right, Saley's, or if it's Colin Smith, whichever side. Jimmy Lansing, we've been in touch with his dad. His dad was telling us about uh, just about Jimmy standing. He's, you know, he's he's doing fine. He's doing good. He's waiting for his call. And we we were able to talk to him about the whole Finsky situation. You could see Jimmy up on the depth chart clearly if Noah can't play this year. So it's guys like that who won't be on there. But it's definitely the Noahs, the Colons. Uh, the Jakes, the Abdus, a tackle potentially. And, yeah, we only, we only have two legit centers, so those will be the ones we see. It's tough to iron out. A lot of options, Noah. And then on defense, for sure, we talked about oh, maybe P.J. corner. We're not thinking so. So that means on the two deep for safety, we're going to see P.J. Jules and Iverson Brown. We like what Ubed Steed's been doing on some pictures and videos they've posted. He's around the ball. looks like he's working with the ones. Um, those are the top three, but no, PJ and Iverson will be the top two, we'll think. And then there's corner. It's DJ Johnson, and then who is it? I guess if we were to make a final prediction of who's opposite DJ Johnson to start the year, I guess I'll go with Drake Johnson so we can have a Johnson and Johnson kind of thing. No, if you agree with that. And then those seem like, you know, because those are the starters, and then the two behind them, who do you think? It could be the Mark Davises of the world with who else? Definitely think Charles Young is that or Dre Newman, I would probably lean Dre Newman. He's been here longer and been got more under his feet. So definitely think Dre Newman would probably back up DJ since hopefully DJ stays healthy. Then Mark will be behind Drake if Drake can't get the job done. Yeah, and we again, it, it's it's thin. If we if we see Jameer Khan this year, it's injuries or underperformance, and that won't be very good. Um, and so Iverson and PJ at safeties, and we'll see other guys like hopefully Avion and Ubed come in. At times, Jeff Wells on special teams. But, you know, a linebacker, if we start, obviously, our 4-3 kind of style or to where we have three linebackers and we said it's Branson, Colin, and Barola potentially. You said Dune Smith. Can't really go wrong. If you have a second group, because it is young, if you 
can rely on a veteran like Zach Barola in a second and a second group with a Jake and Ben, all depending if you know they're the second batch that come in there. You know, starters of Branson, Colin, and Dune sound good to me. What do you think? Yeah, I, if I would make that change, I'd probably say I'm going to give Barola the nod over Bohannik right now. Um, obviously haven't heard anything about him and haven't seen him a little bit here and there, but I think uh, I would give Barola. He's just so valuable right now. So Dune, Branson, and Zach, then Colin with a second line of Colin, Bogle, and Perella potentially, maybe the Shane Waroth or uh, Zach Westermoreland behind those guys. So a lot of depth there potentially. And it is all about style because if you have Branson, Colin, and Zach just tackling machines, they can do a lot of things, but Branson's good on coverage. you got to mix it up a little bit. And Colin's been great in his career. He would be great leading the second group. You really can't go wrong with any of these options. Uh, but I do think Dune and Branson have earned starting spots, thinking about it more and more. We'll see how that irons out. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. And then um, edge rusher, as we've said. You know, we've kind of gone with Lewis a little bit. We know Dewey Green's been great. Know of, of behind both sets of ends – of who could be started. I ended up going with Varga and Cowan, even though we've said Varga could be inside or outside, and he's always been at the top because we've seen his production from EIU. But we haven't seen a whole lot of him. Someone we have seen a lot of is Devin Cowan. He was crushing the pocket. Him and Cam Bowdery had a moment. It's a funny video they posted, and they've shown Devin Cowan a lot. He looks like a freak. I'm thinking Cowan will start. If you do the two veterans, so be it. And then if you have Dewey and Lewis behind him, how do you think that you know, the starters and the two guys behind them end up. Yeah, I've made a slight adjustment, especially with how weak we are at corner potentially. I think uh, I think I went with two more pass rushing. I went with Lewis and Cowan starting on the outside. I did slide Varga sliding right next to Cam Bowdry, so that would be a potential. Then Dewey Green's going to be a pass rushing machine. Adam Hundemer can do a lot for this team, but we talked about it earlier. There are some redshirt freshmen and true freshmen on that in that could potentially see some games. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see, you know, it's it just really interesting to see who could back up who. And if we do see, cause we've seen Tim on the, uh, whatever those are called working against like what defensive linemen, like interior guys do. So uh, you very, very well could be right. If he's on the inside, we'll see how that plays out. Definitely Devin Cowan will be a starter though. We can iron that out as well. It'll be Dewey and Devin, who knows? Love to see Lewis in there. Um, and then you mentioned, David Tucker, you had Tim in there, maybe instead of Dante. Cam Cam is one of the most surefire starters on the whole team. Um, and then you have, could be Dante and then Noah behind them, of backing up interior guys for you behind Tim and Cam. For me, it's Cam and Dante, and behind them, it's Jalen. And I had Devin Love, even though we mentioned Ryan Chandler earlier and Peyton Reeves, and if Devin's healthy, assuming he probably is, who else fills in of the fourth guy potentially? Yeah, I definitely think Jalen Banks is that guy. Then I would have Dante behind Vargas. So those are two really good options. Yeah, you're four there. there. Perfect right there. Um, and then, as we know, for for kicker, it's definitely Jake, and it'll be Thomas Burks behind. And then punter, it's Torney, and whoever else you want to put behind him could be the freshman or it could be Thomas Burks, you know, anyone that could fill in for punter. But that's one on the radar we said, Noah, that – could very well, you know, be a position change over the course of the season because we can't put up with bad special teams anymore. Is that what you think? And then who's backing up Ross Pedro for a long snapper? I think we have a good idea of that. Yeah, I think there's some there's some options. Ross would be definitely the starter. I think Ragnar potentially backing up, but there's also true freshman um, from Carbondale that could be seeing maybe four games if Ross gets dinged up or if Ragnar can't get it done or if Ragnar 
develops into a potential tight end, can't can't risk him on special teams. And then we've said for returners, hopefully it's a mix of the three of we say Isaiah, but if he's wearing braces, I would pray that he's not back there. So we've talked about the Vincents and the Jalen Benefields. Hopefully are the top two that are back there. There'll be someone that surprises us. That'll be a fun one. Hopefully it's those top two. Noah, you agree? I do agree. All right. So that's what we think. And like I said, when we see it, we talk about it on Austin P. unless there's some breaking news we've talked about that we would have, or it's that plus the news on Noah Fenske or something. We'll talk about that again at the very, very end. Well, we can see because it'll be two weeks before we come to you guys next, potentially. Um, and then, or no, because I didn't have this on here. I think it's worth because we already mentioned Lindauer, and I should have mentioned it at the time. We we were able to, or you were able to get in touch with his dad. I think it's just a, you know, it's worth mentioning the update on Michael and what he's been going through the last couple of years because we've said he's hurt, why he's not playing, he's talented, what he's going to be this year. We talked about it, the or situation, a backup potentially. What? What did Lynn, uh, Michael's dad tell you about the status of Michael, what he's been going through? Yeah, he just he just said he loved our podcast. He's been listening since Michael got here. But uh, Michael was uh, had a bad AC joint separation that required surgery. So uh, just been a lot of – they basically resecured the AC joint and shaved some of the bone off. It ended up being a 20-month recovery for him. He's excited. He said he's excited to be 100% finally and ready to have a great year, obviously. I talked about him potentially being the backup and stuff like that. And he said, obviously, he will be the first to admit that it's Nick Baker's job and stuff like that. But he said him and Simmons are ready to go if needed. He says he loves the QB room and just stuff like that. So, he, I mean, Dirk loves Michael being um, an SIU fan. Uh, like we've said a lot of times, Michael originally committed here um, to play football and baseball at a high school. But he went to Cincinnati, had a, had a good time, had a – good run there but decided it ends up here back home where he first committed so I uh, like I said if if it comes down to it I trust either him or Hunter but it sounds he's been through hell since he got here yeah 20 months of injuries we've seen him in a sling or we've seen him in other stuff and it's worth mentioning because shout out to his dad for letting us know that uh, because we've always wondered what exactly has been the case or been the problem with Michael because you bring him here, and he could have been the backup all along as soon as Nick Baker fully took the reins. Um, and you're right, with the whole Branson thing, and he does love it here. So it's, it's great that he's stuck true and, you know, trusted the, you know, the medical staff here and everything that's, you know, trusted him with his injury. Um, so shout out to Michael, and hopefully we do see him on the field this year. That'll be really cool. And, a, you know, a full circle moment for him after going through the injuries that he has would be a really cool moment. And we'll be sure to tweet about it once we see it because it's really special. Shout out to his dad for letting us know all that stuff. With Michael, who does have eligibility, as we've said before, so after this year, it could be very interesting. Um, now, I know the schedule. We talked about it over the last – we talked about it multiple times over pods since – obviously, since the offseason has been going. And we know the games, and we're really excited. There's a lot of difficult games, and there's a lot of games we know and think we should win – in terms of we'll go through each one and we'll say which ones we think we'll win or we'll lose and what our final record could be. And we uh, obviously we'll see how we are at the end of the season of who's, you know, who was closest to, to thinking what game these are. And just saying again, that it's, it, we're thankful that some of these games are perfect for our work schedule that we could get to a lot. We mentioned the road games we'll be going to a lot this year. and We'll be going to the first four, definitely at least of all the month of September. So Noah kicking off with that Austin P game and we'll talk about it more. And I'm sure, the prediction we have here will be what it is in two weeks when we talk about the, the preview. But Noah, before we just knowing, I don't know anything about really Austin P at the moment, just knowing how it's 
and I want to say I added on the script, I guess I didn't, of what, we just have to be better at home. And because we were terrible at home last year, I think I did have it on here. Uh, expect to win every home game for the most part. There's one really tough home game we'll get to. Other than that, they're all reasonable, and you should go undefeated at home. You know, that starts with Austin P. First game of the year, awesome crowd, night game. What do you think happens in this one? I have us winning. Yeah, I do have us winning on Jeremy Chin bobblehead giveaway night. And just the fact that it's setting the tone, and I, I hope we can win by at least two scores. We'll dive in in two weeks. They've got to kick off the season on a bright note. These next two road games, you know, the, that we're so excited to go to, definitely in Northern Illinois, and whenever we talk about them, it'll be interesting because they have a lot of good players, and um, it'll be a test. We've talked about it. It won't be viewed as the Kansas States of the world that will be, you know, underlooking us kind of, they'll kind of view us on the same playing field almost, it seems. They've struggled before, and Noah and Cobb where we had that comeback so long ago under Nick Hill as quarterback. Now we're back there. It was, it was tough to narrow down. It's either this game or the team that's picked 11th in the country at their place. That's a tough place to go win. These next two, Noah, what do you have us going these next two? I have us winning one, and if I were to say which one I think we win, ironically, I have us winning at Northern Illinois before I have us winning at SEMA. What do you think of those two? I am, I am flip-flopped. I have us losing a close one at NIU. I think as a MAC team, we'll get into it once we break them down on preview, but I think they'll be more prepared and seeing what we did the last couple of years, obviously winning that Northwestern last year. I think they'll be – they won't overlook us. This is a team that – will come to play and they obviously know what comes with it with obviously territory of recruiting up there, but I was losing a close one there, but I have us going down and, and a team that came to our home turf last year and lost in a heartbreak one. Um, so I was stealing the wheel back down at SEMO. Yeah, we definitely need that wheel back. And SEMO's arguably had the most success in a two year span potentially that they've had in a long time. And, they're very good, and I guess we don't even know what their stadium is going to be like, how it was two years ago. Um, so it's interesting to see how they're going to be. We know they have a, they have Kansas State – or they're going to Kansas State. Kansas State's like 18th in the country in the FBS, so that'll be a test for them. If they can stick true with them in that game, then I think going into ours will be tough. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's either FBS win or that win. I'm torn as well. Um I just had us getting over 375000 worth and beating another FBS school because we've talked about they're not the old misses of the world and all the games we've kept close or won like last year. Where it's always usually a good game. Hopefully it is the case and we can squeak out a win there and then whichever way it really works, we'll take it. If we're both 2-1 and one after three games, we'll take it. And then Noah Missouri State, family weekend on the 30th, 4 o'clock game. They're down right now. They lost. Old boy is head coach. They're kind of in flux. We've talked about, oh, they're going to move to the FBS at some point. Just all that's in the back of the mind. But we do have Jason Shelley still, and he's really good. They talked about the running back. They had the transfer from Kansas State. I'm not sure what their roster looks like now, Noah. They're not picked very high one bit. This is the game uh, definitely that we have to win and get to 3-1. and one. you agree? Definitely think you got to defend home field. We've been kind of – I'd like to know a record under Coach Hill since he got here at home. I don't think it's very good, honestly. Probably about 500, it feels like. But definitely think um, family weekend, you got to win that one to become 3-1 and one for both of us, especially going in the two-row games in conference play. For sure. And uh, just the fact that we've sacked Shelley probably 20 times the last two seasons we've played him. So I like to keep that going. Uh, and it's an important weekend. So let's finish September at 3-1 and one for both of us. That's definitely how it should be at minimum. Um, very well could lose those two road games. We'll see. But 
October, Noah kicks off, and a team that we know very well has beat us the last two seasons. Tough place to play all the time. Youngstown State, Jaleel McLaughlin's probably still here. They're picked around us exactly in the conference. We do think they have the edge over us. They beat us last year, and they just, I don't know, they, they just they just have our number. And, no, I think that is a game we both think we drop at Youngstown State. Hopefully it's close. Obviously, we played them close the last two times. Uh, I like to think we can win that, but I think do we both have a loss there. I do. Okay, and then so we're three and two going into at Murray State. It's a dog pound travel game. I mean, this one speaks for itself. Should win this game by three touchdowns or more. Uh, so where you can see a lot of those freshmen come in. This is a game we talked about earlier. Noah, do we both have us going? What is that record now? Four and two to this point. And then the big one is South Dakota State homecoming and. That we said last week or the last podcast, they've returned about 86% of their production. They're picked first in the whole country for a reason. Probably going to repeat, Noah. Homecoming could be our biggest crowd of the year. Uh, both have us losing this game. It's no shame to say that, you know, we played them decent the last couple of years. We played them. We know we beat them at third place, almost beat them in the playoffs. And it's been kind of, we haven't played them much since then. So we kind of can play with them. I don't think this season's one of those. If we play with them, you, you'd like to, but Noah, that's, any, if you were to do a percentage of 100% of uh, percentage out of that, that we get this win at home, what do you think it is? I'd give us about a 42% chance. Right below – and that's close to 50. So I'll take a coin flip style, but a little bit less than that. That might be perfect. So what's our record at this point now? Four Maybe and three. Four and three to this point, yeah. I think – okay, yeah. So then at Western, tough game, picked bottom, as we've said – Afternoon game at third place around Halloween. It's always been a tough thing to do, Noah. I mean, obviously, I think we should win this game. Zero doubt about it, no matter how tough it is to win there. So, what, five and three record? Yes. At the end of October. Potentially, potentially unless it ends up non-con, last trip to Macomb ever. It's very true, because they will be out the door after this season. You're right on that. Um, and then when November hits, we host South Dakota in a blackout game with those black jerseys. They broke our hearts last year in a game at third place. You no, know, South Dakota will not be very good this year. So thinking our record is a good one up until this next one, which we can definitely pin in as a loss. You never know. We've talked about North Dakota State. They're not as dynamic as they have been, but they still produce NFL talent. They're still the standard. That Jason Petrino-led defense, Noah, at the Dome in the Fargo Dome, North Dakota State, that is a L, correct? Correct. So Loss. that is what, four losses? I think six and, four. six and four, and then we host Indiana State to end our season on senior day. Again, we got lucky this year. We're playing the three worst teams in our conference, and two of them are at home. No excuse, Noah. This final record should end up being, you know, a minimum of seven and four this season. Is that what we're thinking? And if we're to pick up the, the four games we think we have a better chance to win, is it one of those early road games, or is it, you know, the, the Youngstown? So obviously most of them are – Three to four on the road that we'll lose. Uh, which one do you think we could win that could get us at eight and three? And which one do you think we could lose in a trap game to get us to six and five? Yeah, I definitely can see us. I, I can see us going six and five more than I can say eight and three. But if I were to get us to eight and three, you'd have to, you would have to think you would somehow win that home homecoming game against South Dakota State. Hopefully, we can get some SIU legends to come back. Um, maybe that's the Panthers' bye week. Luckily, again, like we had last time with Jeremy Tan returning, something like that. But definitely think, I mean, we had us at four and two through the first six games. I mean, 
Um, just something you look at the schedule. Four of your first six games are on the road. If you can go four and two in that, I mean, you're doing pretty good to get a start of the season. So, um, like I said, I think I lean more seeing us go six and five than I would say eight and three. But if you win that homecoming game, I could see definitely going eight and three. Yeah, we've talked about, and you said in the last one, that this conference produces at least four or five playoff teams. So if you're definitely above 500, you have a good chance. If you're eight and three, you have a tremendous chance. If, if you beat South Dakota, State, who's going to be number one throughout all most of the season, more than likely, then you're definitely in. It's those surefire games because we we talked about it. You were zero and three, and then you're zero and two, whatever it was last year. Then you you know then you rattle off five straight, and then you lost four straight. It can't be any of that. This this schedule does not provide that. It's it's really it's hard, and then it's easy. So it's those jumping around. You got to make sure you can win those games. Again, three worst teams on the schedule we play this year. We avoid the North Dakotas and the Northern Iowa's who are projected to be good this year. So we got to take advantage of most things. So both of us having seven and four records, because that definitely gets you into the playoffs, whichever one you can either be surprised with a win or a loss. There will be one of those. We'll be blindsided with a win and a trap game will appear. Hopefully we don't lose that one. So again, it's a season with, um, you know, we, we mentioned Noah with the bye though, actually. We had a really early bye this year. Where is that in between that people can know about that honestly is, you don't like early buys. You want buys at the end of the season. I can almost guarantee the top three teams in our conference have late buys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at our early buy, usually we have a late buy in, in the mid-October, it feel like. But buy this year um, will be between, it looks like, it'll be September 2nd weekend, the first weekend of September, or, or the first weekend in, where is it? I had. It I think earlier. it's uh, between SEMO and Missouri State, I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So yes, the last or the last full weekend in September 23rd, we are off in between that game. So uh, if you coming off a win, that's a good reset. Or win or lose at SEMO, that's a good reset week to start conference play. Yeah, the best being on the road for two weeks, getting back home. I think that it, it seems like a good one if that was in October and that's how it was. But you know, a little bit complain about the early buy, but maybe that could set us up for the home stretch of other tough games later on and then just again reiterating the window of this season and this will be i'll hand it over to you for your final thoughts this will kind of be mine before is um you know nick baker quarterback no matter who is behind him in the future we know we can put up numbers you know you have six-year deontay cox and you know we've talked about isaiah hartra has been in the portal before if he has a big year you could lose him you could lose talent in the portal or the seniors that you're losing this is a window here of you know, awesome veterans that you continue to have and you're able to get in the portal. And you'd like to think you can continue to do that each year, even though next year there's positives of, you know, next year and beyond of relying on young guys. But this is definitely a window under the Nick Baker era, which he is on chasing history. Watch this year. He'll do it within the first three weeks. We'd like to think even those tough opponents, he's really close to breaking records. This will be a special season for him potentially. And just knowing that this is a window of success before it's a big transition period, as we've said last year. So I think that's the biggest thing to emphasize this season. Everything we've talked about to this point, but definitely taking advantage of the time you have with players you've had for forever and that can help you win to the highest level before things get interesting after that. And it, it can be exciting. It can be a little worrisome. We'll worry about it at the time. But, Noah, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is just this window we're in with everything else. What are your final thoughts here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's already mid-August. I feel like we – our last podcast, it was so far away, but we're getting to the nitty gritty here, finishing up fall camp and looking 
forward to that awesome P game ready to start the season. It's like, it is a big window here. If um, I, I'm still dying on the hill of, I wish if we've turned down division one quarterbacks that trying to make the jump below to find time. I mean, wish we would have because Nick Baker hasn't led us to the playoffs yet. It's been, feels like stone, obviously stone did it and stuff like that, but Nick's done all the records he's going to break, but, we still got to be able to get it done offensively under a quarterback like that. So um, excited to see what he can do. I think he can do a lot of things with this offense. Just got to be more consistent, obviously. It starts with play calling and stuff like that. But definitely think think he can get it done and has what it takes to break all the records he's going to and lead us to playoffs. Like I said, we both have him in the 7-4. That's unless you just get blown out in all the, the Dakota games and stuff like that and your losses that – Seven and four should get this team in. So excited for it, ready to go. So see what happens down here. We're going to finish these last weeks of August out and get ready for September. Can't wait for that too deep to come out. Exactly. That's what we look forward to most. Dissecting that on the next one. It's just also that, you know, Northern Illinois is probably going to be the easiest first game FBS game you have for a while because we know BYU next year. It's a big one in terms of what it's been the last couple. So it's even that taking advantage of the window of relatively favorable kind of games like that that can help your, help your schedule and help your your record. So a lot of stuff this year. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. You know, there's even – I think we've gotten through everything else. There's nothing else, nothing else to mention, especially doing it two weeks before the season. There's still two more weeks of camp with the, with the fan fest and everything. But we'll have everything from now up until the, the preview of Austin P on September 1st to come to you guys with. It should be a lot. We mentioned the Noah Finsky stuff. Keep an eye out for it. And we'll have our usual, like, what the week one games are, everything leading up to this. You know, it's, it's such a fun time. We're looking forward to the Austin P game, and we're looking forward to being on the road the first couple games of the year. The 40th anniversary of the last time we won the national championship, not declaring anything that we're going to live up to 40th year. But, yes, it's a season we should easily, they easily, confidently make the playoffs. It should be one of those seasons. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this. We'll come to you guys again on September 1st to preview the Austin P. Governors. So before or until next time, I'm Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, see you in a couple weeks. Go Dawks.